Chapter Two, Part One, of the Voyage of the Beagle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Voyage of the Beagle, by Charles Darwin, Chapter Two, Part One, Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro, excursion north of Capafrio, great evaporation, slavery, Botafogo Bay, terrestrial planariae, clouds on the Corcovado, heavy rain, musical frogs, phosphorescent insects, elater, springing powers of, blue haze, Noise made by a butterfly. Entomology. Ants. Wasp killing a spider. Parasitical spider. Artifices of an epiera. Gregarious spider. Spider with an unsymmetrical web. April 4th to July 5th, 1832. A few days after our arrival, I became acquainted with an Englishman who was going to visit his estate, situated rather more than a hundred miles from the capital, to the northward of Capafrio. I gladly accepted his kind offer of allowing me to accompany him. April 8th. Our party amounted to seven. The first stage was very interesting. The day was powerfully hot, and, as we passed through the woods, Everything was motionless, excepting the large and brilliant butterflies which lazily fluttered about. The view seen when crossing the hills behind Praia Grande was most beautiful. The colors were intense, and the prevailing tint a dark blue. The sky and the calm waters of the bay vied with each other in splendor. After passing through some cultivated country, we entered a forest which, in the grandeur of all its parts, could not be exceeded. We arrived by midday at Ithacaya. This small village is situated on a plain, and round the central house are the huts of the negroes. These reminded me of the drawings of the Hottentot habitations in southern Africa. As the moon rose early, we determined to start the same evening for our sleeping place at the Lagoa Marica. As it was growing dark, we passed under one of the massive bare and steep hills of granite which are so common in this country. This spot is notorious from having been, for a long time, the residence of some runaway slaves, who, by cultivating a little ground near the top, contrived to eke out a subsistence. At length they were discovered, and a party of soldiers being sent, the whole were seized with the exception of one old woman who, sooner than again be led into slavery, dashed herself to pieces from the summit of the mountain. In a Roman matron this would have been called the noble love of freedom. In a poor negress it is mere brutal obstinacy. We continued riding for some hours. For the few last miles the road was intricate, and it passed through a desert waste of marshes and lagoons. The scene by the dimmed light of the moon, was most desolate. 
a few fireflies flitted by us, and the solitary snipe as it rose uttered its plaintive cry. The distant and sullen roar of the sea scarcely broke the stillness of the night. April 9th We left our miserable sleeping place before sunrise. The road passed through a narrow sandy plain lying between the sea and the interior salt lagoons. The number of beautiful fishing birds, such as egrets and cranes, and the succulent plants, assuming most fantastical forms, gave to the scene an interest which it would not otherwise have possessed. The few stunted trees were loaded with parasitical plants, among which the beauty and delicious fragrance of some of the orchidiae were most to be admired. As the sun rose, the day became extremely hot, and the reflection of the light and heat from the white sand was very distressing. We dined at Mandetiba, the thermometer in the shade being eighty-four degrees. The beautiful view of the distant wooded hills reflected in the perfectly calm water of an extensive lagoon quite refreshed us. As the venda, the Portuguese name for an inn, here was a very good one, and I have the pleasant but rare remembrance of an excellent dinner, I will be grateful and presently describe it as the type of its class. These houses are often large, and are built of thick upright posts, with boughs interwoven and afterwards plastered. They seldom have floors, and never glazed windows, but are generally pretty well roofed. Universally the front part is open, forming a kind of veranda in which tables and benches are placed. The bedrooms join on each side, and here the passenger may sleep as comfortably as he can on a wooden platform covered by a thin straw mat. The venda stands in a courtyard, where the horses are fed. On first arriving it was our custom to unsaddle the horses and give them their Indian corn, then, with a low bow, to ask the signor to do us the favor to give up something to eat. "'Anything you choose, sir,' was his usual answer. For the first few times vainly I thanked Providence for having guided us to so good a man. The conversation proceeding, the case universally became deplorable. "'Any fish can you do us the favor of giving?' "'Oh, no, sir.' "'Any soup?' "'No, sir.' "'Any bread?' "'Oh, no, sir.' Any dried meat? Oh, no, sir. If we were lucky, by waiting a couple of hours, we obtained fowls, rice, and farinha. It not unfrequently happened that we were obliged to kill with stones the poultry for our own supper. When, thoroughly exhausted by fatigue and hunger, we timorously hinted that we should be glad of our meal, the pompous and, though true, most unsatisfactory answer was, it will be ready when it is ready. If we had dared to remonstrate any further, we should have been told to proceed on our journey, as being too impertinent. The hosts are most ungracious and disagreeable in their manners. Their houses and their persons are often filthily dirty. The want of the accommodation of forks, knives, and spoons is common, and I am sure no cottage or hovel in England could be found in a state so utterly destitute of every comfort. At Campus Novus, however, we fared sumptuously, having rice and fowls, biscuit, 
wine, and spirits for dinner, coffee in the evening, and fish with coffee for breakfast. All this, with good food for the horses, only cost two shillings sixpence per head. Yet the host of this venda, being asked if he knew anything of a whip which one of the party had lost, gruffly answered, How should I know? Why did you not take care of it? I suppose the dogs have eaten it. Leaving Mandechiba, we continued to pass through an intricate wilderness of lakes, in some of which were fresh, in others salt-water shells. Of the former kinds I found a limnea in great numbers in a lake, into which the inhabitants assured me that the sea enters once a year, and sometimes oftener, and makes the water quite salt. I have no doubt many interesting facts, in relation to marine and fresh-water animals, might be observed in this chain of lagoons, which skirt the coast of Brazil. Monsieur Gay has stated that he found in the neighborhood of Rio shells of the marine genera Solon and Mytilus, and freshwater Ampulariae, living together in brackish water. Annale des sciences naturelles for 1833. I also frequently observed in the lagoon near the Botanic Garden, where the water is only a little less salt than the sea, a species of hydrophilus, very similar to a water-beetle, common in the ditches of England. In the same lake the only shell belonged to a genus generally found in estuaries. Leaving the coast for a time, we again entered the forest. The trees were very lofty and remarkable, compared with those of Europe, from the whiteness of their trunks. I see by my notebook, wonderful and beautiful, flowering parasites, invariably struck me as the most novel object in these grand scenes. Traveling onwards, we passed through tracts of pasturage, much injured by the enormous conical ants' nests, which were nearly twelve feet high. They gave to the plain exactly the appearance of the mud volcanoes at Horuyo, as figured by Humboldt. We arrived at Engeyold after it was dark, having been ten hours on horseback. I never ceased during the whole journey to be surprised at the amount of labor which the horses were capable of enduring. They appeared also to recover from any injury much sooner than those of our English breed. The vampire bat is often the cause of much trouble by biting the horses on their withers. The injury is generally not so much owing to the loss of blood as to the inflammation which the pressure of the saddle afterwards produces. The whole circumstance has lately been doubted in England. I was, therefore, fortunate in being present when one, Desmodus d'Orbigny, was actually caught on a horse's back. We were bivouacking late one evening near Coquimbo, in Chile, when my servant, noticing that one of the horses was very restive, went to see what was the matter, and fancying he could distinguish something, suddenly put his hand on the beast's withers and secured the vampire. In the morning, the spot where the bite had been inflicted was easily distinguished, from being slightly swollen and bloody. The third day afterwards we rode the horse without any ill effects. April 13th After three days' travelling, we arrived at Sosego, the estate of Signor Manuel Figuereda, a relation of one of our party. The house was simple, and, though like a barn in form, was well suited to the climate. In the sitting-room gilded chairs and sofas were oddly contrasted 
with the whitewashed walls, thatched roof, and windows without glass. The house, together with the granaries, the stables, and workshops for the blacks, who had been taught various trades, formed a rude kind of quadrangle, in the center of which a large pile of coffee was drying. These buildings stand on a little hill, overlooking the cultivated ground, and surrounded on every side by a wall of dark green luxuriant forest. The chief produce of this part of the country is coffee. Each tree is supposed to yield annually, on an average, two pounds, but some give as much as eight. Mandioca, or cassada, is likewise cultivated in great quantity. Every part of this plant is useful. The leaves and stalks are eaten by the horses, and the roots are ground into a pulp, which, when pressed dry and baked, forms the farinha, the principal article of sustenance in the Brazils. It is a curious, though well-known fact, that the juice of this most nutritious plant is highly poisonous. A few years ago a cow died at this fazenda, in consequence of having drunk some of it. Signor Figueira told me that he had planted the year before one bag of feijão, or beans, and three of rice, the former of which produced eighty, and the latter three hundred and twenty-fold. The pasturage supports a fine stock of cattle, and the woods are so full of game that a deer had been killed on each of the three previous days. This profusion of food showed itself at dinner, where, if the tables did not groan, the guests surely did, for each person is expected to eat of every dish. One day, having, as I thought, nicely calculated so that nothing should go away untasted, to my utter dismay a roast turkey and a pig appeared in all their substantial reality. During the meals it was the employment of a man to drive out of the room sundry old hounds, and dozens of little black children which crawled in together at every opportunity. As long as the idea of slavery could be banished, there was something exceedingly fascinating in this simple and patriarchal style of living. It was such a perfect retirement and independence from the rest of the world. As soon as any stranger is seen arriving, a large bell is set tolling, and generally some small cannon are fired. The event is thus announced to the rocks and woods, but to nothing else. One morning I walked out an hour before daylight to admire the solemn stillness of the scene. At last the scene was broken by the morning hymn, raised on high by the whole body of the blacks, and in this manner their daily work is generally begun. On fazendas such as these, I have no doubt the slaves pass happy and contented lives. On Saturday and Sunday they work for themselves, and in this fertile climate the labor of two days is sufficient to support a man and his family for the whole week. April 14th Leaving Sosego, we rode to another estate on the Hio Masai, which was the last patch of cultivated ground in that direction. The estate was two and a half miles long, and the owner had forgotten how many broad. Only a very small piece had been cleared, yet almost every acre was capable of yielding all the various rich productions of a tropical land. Considering the enormous area of Brazil, the proportion of cultivated ground can scarcely be considered as anything compared to that which is left in the state of nature. At some future age, how vast a population it will support! During the second day's journey we found the roads so shut up 
that it was necessary that a man should go ahead with a sword to cut away the creepers. The forest abounded with beautiful objects, among which the tree-ferns, though not large, were, from their bright green foliage and the elegant curvature of their fronds, most worthy of admiration. In the evening it rained very heavily, and although the thermometer stood at sixty-five degrees, I felt very cold. As soon as the rain ceased, it was curious to observe the extraordinary evaporation which commenced over the whole extent of the forest. At the height of a hundred feet the hills were buried in a dense white vapor, which rose like columns of smoke from the most thickly wooded parts, and especially from the valleys. I observed this phenomenon on several occasions. I suppose it is owing to the large surface of foliage, previously heated by the sun's rays. While staying at this estate, I was very nearly being an eye-witness to one of those atrocious acts which can only take place in a slave country. Owing to a quarrel and a lawsuit, the owner was on the point of taking all the women and children from the male slaves, and selling them separately at the public auction at Rio. Interest, and not any feeling of compassion, prevented this act. Indeed, I do not believe the inhumanity of separating thirty families, who had lived together for many years, even occurred to the owner. Yet I will pledge myself that in humanity and good feeling he was superior to the common run of men. It may be said there exists no limit to the blindness of interest and selfish habit. I may mention one very trifling anecdote, which at the time struck me more forcibly than any story of cruelty. I was crossing a ferry with a negro, who was uncommonly stupid. In endeavoring to make him understand, I talked loud and made signs, in doing which I passed my hand near his face. He, I suppose, thought I was in a passion and was going to strike him, for instantly, with a frightened look and half-shut eyes, he dropped his hands. I shall never forget my feelings of surprise, disgust, and shame at seeing a great powerful man, afraid even to ward off a blow, directed, as he thought, at his face. This man had been trained to a degradation lower than the slavery of the most helpless animal. April 18th In returning we spent two days at Sosego, and I employed them in collecting insects in the forest. The greater number of trees, although so lofty, are not more than three or four feet in circumference. There are, of course, a few of much greater dimensions. Senor Manuel was then making a canoe seventy feet in length from a solid trunk which had originally been one hundred ten feet long, and of great thickness. The contrast of palm trees growing amidst the common branching kinds never fails to give the scene an intertropical character. Here the woods were ornamented by the cabbage palm, one of the most beautiful of its family with a stem so narrow that it might be clasped with the two hands it waves its elegant head at the height of forty or fifty feet above the ground the woody creepers themselves covered by other creepers were of great thickness some which i measured were two feet in circumference many of the older trees presented a very curious appearance from the tresses of a liana hanging from their boughs and resembling bundles of hay if the eye was turned from the world of foliage above to the ground beneath, it was attracted by the extreme elegance of the leaves of the ferns and mimosae, 
The latter, in some parts, covered the surface with a brushwood only a few inches high. In walking across these thick beds of mimosae, a broad track was marked by the change of shade, produced by the drooping of their sensitive petioles. It is easy to specify the individual objects of admiration in these grand scenes, but it is not possible to give an adequate idea of the higher feelings of wonder, astonishment, and devotion, which fill and elevate the mind. April 19th. Leaving Sosego, during the two first days we retraced our steps. It was very wearisome work, as the road generally ran across a glaring hot sandy plain, not far from the coast. I noticed that each time the horse put its foot on the fine siliceous sand, a gentle chirping noise was produced. On the third day we took a different line, and passed through the gay little village of Madre Gideus. This is one of the principal lines of road in Brazil, yet it was in so bad a state that no wheeled vehicle, excepting the clumsy bullock wagon, could pass along. In our whole journey we did not cross a single bridge built of stone, and those made of logs of wood were frequently so much out of repair that it was necessary to go on one side to avoid them. All distances are inaccurately known. The road is often marked by crosses in the place of milestones to signify where human blood has been spilled. On the evening of the 23rd, we arrived at Rio, having finished our pleasant little excursion. During the remainder of my stay at Rio, I resided in a cottage at Botafogo Bay. It was impossible to wish for anything more delightful than thus to spend some weeks in so magnificent a country. In England, any person fond of natural history enjoys in his walks a great advantage, by always having something to attract his attention. But in these fertile climates, teeming with life, the attractions are so numerous that he is scarcely able to walk at all. The few observations which I was enabled to make were almost exclusively confined to the invertebrate animals. The existence of a division of the genus Planaria, which inhabits the dry land, interested me much. These animals are of so simple a structure that Cuvier has arranged them with the intestinal worms, though never found within the bodies of other animals. Numerous species inhabit both salt and fresh water, but those to which I allude were found, even in the drier parts of the forest, beneath logs of rotten wood, on which I believe they feed. In general form they resemble little slugs, but they are very much narrower in proportion, and several of the species are beautifully colored with longitudinal stripes. Their structure is very simple. Near the middle of the under, or crawling surface, there are two small transverse slits, from the anterior one of which a funnel-shaped and highly irritable mouth can be protruded. For some time after the rest of the animal was completely dead from the effects of salt water or any other cause, this organ still retained its vitality. I found no less than twelve different species of terrestrial planariae in different parts of the southern hemisphere. I have described and named these species in the Annals of Natural History, volume 14, page 241. Some species which I obtained at Van Diemen's Land I kept alive for nearly two months, feeding them on rotten wood. Having cut one of them transversely into two nearly equal parts, in the course of a fortnight 
both had the shape of perfect animals. I had, however, so divided the body, that one of the halves contained both the inferior orifices, and the other, in consequence, none. In the course of twenty-five days from the operation, the more perfect half could not have been distinguished from any other specimen. The other had increased much in size, and, toward its posterior end, a clear space was formed in the parenchymatous mass, in which a rudimentary cup-shaped mouth could clearly be distinguished. On the under-surface, however, no corresponding slit was yet open. If the increased heat of the weather, as we approached the equator, had not destroyed all the individuals, there can be no doubt that this last step would have completed its structure. Although so well known an experiment, it was interesting to watch the gradual production of every essential organ, out of the simple extremity of another animal. It is extremely difficult to preserve these planariae. As soon as the cessation of life allows the ordinary laws of change to act, their entire bodies become soft and fluid, with a rapidity which I have never seen equaled. I first visited the forest in which these planariae were found, in company with an old Portuguese priest who took me out to hunt with him. The sport consisted in turning into the cover a few dogs, and then patiently waiting to fire at any animal which might appear. We were accompanied by the son of a neighboring farmer, a good specimen of a wild Brazilian youth. He was dressed in a tattered old shirt and trousers, and had his head uncovered. He carried an old-fashioned gun and a large knife. The habit of carrying the knife is universal, and in traversing a thick wood it is almost necessary, on account of the creeping plants. The frequent occurrence of murder may be partly attributed to this habit. The Brazilians are so dexterous with the knife that they can throw it to some distance with precision, and with sufficient force to cause a fatal wound. I have seen a number of little boys practicing this art as a game of play, and from their skill in hitting an upright stick they promised well for more earnest attempts. My companion, the day before, had shot two large bearded monkeys. These animals have prehensile tails, the extremity of which, even after death, can support the whole weight of the body. One of them thus remained fast to a branch, and it was necessary to cut down a large tree to procure it. This was soon effected, and down came tree and monkey with an awful crash. Our day's sport, besides the monkey, was confined to sundry small green parrots and a few tukongs. I profited, however, by my acquaintance with the Portuguese padre, for on another occasion he gave me a fine specimen of the Yaguarundi cat. End of chapter 2, part 1 Recording by Scott Robbins